Chapter Eleven of The Canadians of Old by Philippe Aubert de Gaspé, translated by Sir Charles G. D. Roberts. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. Madame d'Aberville's story. Sepe malam hoc nobis, simens nun laiwa fuiset, de coilo tactes mamini praedicera quercus. Virgil all was silence and gloom at d'aberville manor the very servants went about their work with a spiritless air far unlike their usual gaiety madame d'aberville choked back her tears that she might not add to her husband's grief and blanche for her mother's sake did her weeping in secret for in three days the vessel was to set sail captain d'aberville had bidden his two friends the priest and monsieur d'egmont to meet jules and archie at a farewell dinner at this meal every one strove to be cheerful but the attempt was a conspicuous failure the priest wisely concluding that a sober conversation would be better than the sorrowful silence into which the party was continually dropping introduced a subject which was beginning to press on all thoughtful minds do you know gentlemen said he that a storm is gathering dark on the horizon of new france the english are making tremendous preparations and everything seems to indicate an early attack and then exclaimed uncle raoul then whatever you like my dear chevalier answered the cure but it must be acknowledged that we have hardly forces enough at our command to long resist our powerful neighbors my dear abbe exclaimed uncle raoul i think that in your reading this morning you must have stumbled on a chapter of the lamentations of jeremiah i might turn your weapon against yourself retorted the priest by reminding you that those prophecies were fulfilled no matter almost shouted uncle raoul clinching his teeth the english indeed the english take canada by heaven i would undertake to defend quebec with my crutch you forget it seems that we have always beaten the english that we have beaten them against all odds five to one ten to one sometimes twenty to one the english indeed conquedo said the cure i am ready to grant all you claim and more too if you like but mark this we grow weaker and weaker with every victory while the enemy thanks to the foresight of england rises with new strength from each defeat meanwhile france leaves us to our own resources which shows exclaimed captain d'aberville the faith our king reposes in our courage meanwhile interposed monsieur d'egmont he sends us so few soldiers that the colony grows weaker day by day give us but plenty of powder and lead answered the captain and a hundred of my militia will do more in such a war as that which is coming upon us a war of reconnoitrings ambuscades and surprises than would five hundred of the best soldiers of france i speak from experience for all that however we stand in great need of help from the mother country would that a few of those battalions which our beloved monarch pours into the north of europe to fight the battles of austria might be devoted to the defence of the colony you might rather wish said the good gentleman 
that louis the fifteenth had left maria theresa to fight it out with prussia and had paid a little more attention to new france it is perhaps hardly becoming in a young man like me said lochiel to mix myself up in your arguments but to make up for my lack of experience i will call history to my aid beware of the english beware of a government ever alive to the interests of its colonies which it identifies with the interests of the empire beware of a nation which has the tenacity of the bulldog if the conquest of canada is necessary to her she will never swerve from her purpose or count the sacrifice witness my unhappy country bah cried uncle raoul the scotch indeed lochiel began to laugh gently my dear uncle raoul said the good gentleman and to make use of your favorite maxim when you are collecting the rents let us render unto caesar that which is caesar's i have studied the history of scotland and i can assure you that neither in valor nor in patriotism need the scotch yield place to any other nation ancient or modern oh you see i only wanted to tease this other nephew of mine exclaimed uncle raoul swelling his chest for we know a little history ourselves thank god no one knows better than archie my esteem for his fellow-countrymen and my admiration for their dashing courage yes dear uncle and i thank you for it said archie grasping him by the hand but distrust the english profoundly beware of their perseverance and remember the delenda est cartago of the romans so much the better said jules i will be grateful to their perseverance if it brings me back to canada with my regiment may i do my first fighting against them here on this soil of canada which i love and which holds all that is dearest to me you shall come with me my brother and shall take revenge in this new world for all that you have suffered in your own country with all my heart cried archie grasping the handle of his knife as if it were the terrible claymore of the camerons i will serve as a volunteer in your company if i cannot get a commission as an officer and the simple soldier will be as proud of your exploits as if he had a hand in them himself the young men warmed into excitement at the thought of heroic deeds the great black eyes of jules shot fire and the old warlike ardor of the race suddenly flamed out in him this spirit was infectious and from all lips came the cry of vive le roi from the eyes of mother sister and aunt in spite of all their efforts to restrain them there escaped a few tears silently the conversation became eager campaigns were planned the english were beaten by sea and land and canada was set upon a pinnacle of splendor and prosperity fill up your glasses cried captain d'aberville pouring himself out a bumper i am going to propose a health which everybody will drink with applause success to our arms and may the glorious flag of the fleur-de-lis float forever over every fortress of new france just as they were raising the glasses to their lips a terrific report was heard it was like a stupendous clap of thunder or as if some huge body had fallen upon the manor-house which shook to its very foundations
every one rushed out of doors the sun was shining with all the brilliance of a perfect day in july they scaled the roof but there was no sign anywhere that the house had been struck every one was stupefied with awe the seigneur himself appearing particularly impressed can it be he exclaimed that this phenomenon presages the fall of my house in vain did m d'egmont the priest and uncle raoul endeavor to refer the phenomenon to ordinary causes they could not remove the painful impression it had left the glasses were left unemptied in the dining-room and the little company passed into the drawing-room to take their coffee what took place afterward only confirmed the d'haberville family in their superstitious fears who knows after all whether such omens to which the ancient world lent implicit belief may not indeed be warnings from heaven when some great evil threatens us if indeed we must reject all that our feeble reason comprehends not we should speedily become pyrrhonists utter sceptics like moliere's morphorius who knows but one might write a whole chapter on this who knows the weather which had been so fine all day began to cloud up towards six o'clock in the evening by seven the rain fell in torrents the thunder seemed to shatter the vault of heaven and a great mass of rock struck by a thunderbolt fell from the bluff with terrific noise and obliterated the highway captain d'haberville who had carried on an immense deal of forest warfare along with his indian allies had become tinctured with many of their superstitions and when the disasters of seventeen fifty nine fell upon him he was convinced that they had been foretold to him two years before jules seated at supper between his mother and sister and holding their hands in his shared in their depression in order to turn their thoughts into another channel he asked his mother to tell one of those stories with which she used to amuse his childhood it would give me said he yet another memory of the tenderest of mothers to take with me to europe i can refuse my boy nothing said madame d'haberville and she began the following story a mother had an only child a little girl fair as a lily whose great blue eyes wandered from her mother to heaven and back from heaven to her mother only to fix themselves on heaven at last how proud and happy was this loving mother when every one praised the beauty of her child her cheeks like the rose just blown her tresses fair and soft as the beaten flax and falling over her shoulders in gracious waves immeasurably happy was this good mother at last she lost the child she idolized and like rachel she would not be comforted she passed her days in the cemetery embracing the little grave mad with grief she kept calling to the child with ceaseless pleadings my darling my darling listen to your mother who is come to carry you to your own bed where you shall sleep so warmly oh how cold you must be under the wet sod she kept her ear close to the earth as if she expected a response she trembled at every slightest noise 
and sobbed to discover that it was but the murmur of the weeping willow moved by the breeze the passers-by used to say this grass so incessantly watered by her weeping should be always green but her tears are so bitter that they wither it even like the fierce sun of midday after a heavy shower she wept beside a brook where the little one had been accustomed to play with pebbles and in whose pure stream she had so often washed the little feet the passers-by used to say this mother sheds so many tears that she swells the current of the stream she nursed her grief in every room wherein the little one had played she opened the trunk in which she kept religiously all the child's belongings its clothes its playthings the little gold-lined cup of silver from which she had last given it to drink passionately she kissed the little shoes and her sobs would have melted a heart of steel she went continually to the village church to pray to implore god to work one miracle in her behalf and give her back her child and the voice of god seemed to answer her like david you shall go to her but she shall not return to you then she would cry when lord when shall such joy be mine she threw herself down before the image of the blessed virgin our lady of sorrows and it seemed to her that the eyes of the madonna rested upon her sadly and that she read in them these words endure with patience even as i have done o daughter of eve till the day when your mourning shall be turned into gladness and the unhappy mother cried anew but when when will that blessed day come o mother of god one day the wretched mother having prayed with more than her usual fervor having shed if possible more tears than was her wont fell asleep in the church exhausted with her grief the sexton shut the doors without noticing her it must have been about midnight when she awoke a ray of moonlight illuminating the altar revealed to her that she was yet in the church far from being terrified she rather rejoiced at her situation if such a thing as joy could be said to find any place in her sad heart now said she i can pray alone with god alone with the blessed virgin alone with myself just as she was going to kneel down a low sound made her raise her head she saw an old man who entering by one of the side doors of the sacristy made his way to the altar with a lighted taper in his hand she saw with astonishment that it was the former sexton dead twenty years before she felt no fear at the sight for every sentiment of her breast had been swallowed up in grief the spectre climbed the altar steps lighted the candles and made the customary preparations for the celebration of a requiem mass when he turned she saw that his eyes were fixed and expressionless like those of a statue he re-entered the sacristy but reappeared almost at once followed this time by a venerable priest bearing a chalice and clothed in full vestments his great eyes wide open were filled with sadness his movements were like those of an automaton 
she recognized the old priest twenty years dead who had baptized her and given her her first communion far from being terrified by this marvel the poor mother wrapped up in her sorrow concluded that her old friend had been touched by her despair and had broken the bonds of the sepulchre for her sake all was sombre grim and silent in this mass thus celebrated and ministered by the dead the candles cast a feeble light like that of a dying lamp at the moment when the bell of the sanctus striking with a dull sound as when a bone is broken by the grave-digger in some old cemetery announced the descent of christ upon the altar the door of the sacristy opened anew and admitted a procession of little children marching two and two who traversed the choir and filed into the space to the right of the altar these children the oldest of whom had had scarce six years of life upon earth wore crowns of immortelles and carried in their hands some of them baskets of flowers some of them little vases of perfume others cups of gold and silver filled with a transparent liquid they stepped lightly and a celestial rapture shone upon their faces one only a little girl at the end of the procession appeared to follow the others painfully loaded down as she was with two great jars which she could hardly drag her little feet reddening under the pressure were lifted heavily and her crown of immortelles seemed withered the poor mother strove to reach out her arms to utter a cry of joy on recognizing her own little one but she found that she could neither move nor speak she watched all the children file past her into the place to the left of the altar and she recognized several who had but lately died when her own child bending under her burden passed before her she noticed that at every step the two jars besprinkled the floor with the water that filled them to the brim when the little one's eyes met those of her mother she saw in their depths a mingling of sadness tenderness and reproach the poor woman strove to clasp her in her arms but sight and consciousness alike fled from her when she recovered from her swoon the church was empty in a monastery about a league from the village dwelt a monk who was renowned for his sanctity this old man never left his cell save to listen with sympathy to the bitter confessions of sinners or to succor the afflicted to the first he said i know the corruptness of man's nature so be not cast down come to me with confidence and courage every time you fall and my arms shall ever be open to lift you up again to the second he said since god who is so good lays this burden upon you now he is reserving you for infinite joys hereafter to all he said if i should confess to you the story of my life you would be astonished to behold in me a man who has been the sport of unbridled passion and my misfortunes would melt you to tears the poor mother threw herself sobbing at his feet and told him the marvellous thing she had seen 
the compassionate old man who had sounded the depths of the human heart beheld here a favorable opportunity to set bounds to this excessive anguish my dear child said he our overwrought imagination often cheats us with illusions which must be relegated to the realms of dream nevertheless the church teaches us that such marvels can really take place it is not for us in our ignorance to set limit to the power of god it is not for us to question the decrees of him who took the worlds into his hand and launched them into space i accept then the vision and i will explain it to you this priest coming from the tomb to say a mass doubtless obtained god's permission to fulfil part of his sacred ministry which he had left undone and the sexton by forgetfulness or negligence was probably the cause of his omission the children crowned with immortelles are those who died with their baptismal grace unimpaired they who carried baskets of flowers or vases of perfume are those whose mothers gave them up to god with holy resignation comforted by the thought that they were exchanging this world of pain for the celestial country and the ineffable light about the throne in the little cups of gold and silver were the tears of mothers who though torn by the anguish of their loss yet taught themselves to cry the lord gave and the lord hath taken away blessed be the name of the lord on her knees the poor mother drank in the old man's words as martha exclaimed at the feet of christ lord if thou hadst been here my brother had not died but i know that even now whatever thou wilt ask of god god will give it thee even so the poor mother cried in her ardent faith if thou hadst been with me my father my little one would not have died but i know that even now whatsoever thou wilt ask of god god will give it thee the good monk reflected a moment and prayed god for wisdom it was a sentence of life or of death that he was about to pronounce upon this mother who appeared inconsolable he was about to strike a blow which should either restore her to reason or break her heart forever he took her hands in his withered and trembling clasp and said gently you loved then this child whom you have lost loved her my god what a question and she threw herself moaning at his feet then raising herself suddenly she grasped the skirt of his cassock and besought him through her sobs you are a saint my father oh give me back my child my darling yes said the monk you loved your little one doubtless you would have done much to spare her even the lightest grief anything everything my father exclaimed the poor woman i would have been rolled on the hot coals to spare her a little burn i believe you said the monk and doubtless you love her yet do i love her merciful heaven cried the wretched mother springing to her feet as if bitten by a serpent i see priest that you know little of a mother's love if you imagine death can efface it and trembling from head to foot she burst again into a torrent of tears begone woman 
said the old man forcing himself to speak with sternness begone woman who hast come to impose upon me begone woman who liest to god and to his priest thou hast seen thy little one staggering under the burden of thy tears which she gathers drop by drop and thou tellest me that thou lovest her she is near thee now toiling at her task and thou sayest that thou lovest her begone woman for thou liest to god and to his minister the eyes of the poor woman were opened as if she were awaking from a frightful dream she confessed that her grief had been insensate and she besought the pardon of god go in peace said the old man resign yourself to god's will and the peace of god will be shed upon your soul some days after she told the good monk that her little one radiant with joy and carrying a basket of flowers had appeared to her in a dream and thanked her for having ceased from her tears the good woman who was rich in this world's goods devoted the rest of days and her substance to charity to the children of the poor she gave most loving attention and adopted several of them when she died they wrote upon her tomb here lies the mother of the orphans all were deeply moved by madame d'haberville's story and some were even in tears jules embraced his mother and left the room to hide his emotion oh god he cried guard this life of mine for if evil should befall me my loving mother would be as inconsolable as the mother in the story she has just told us a day or two later jules and archie were tossing upon the atlantic and at the end of two months after a prosperous voyage they reached the shores of france End of chapter eleven